I just have to say, how wonderful is it that we have such good news to rejoice in today? All those truths are true. Christ has brought us hope. He has brought us life. He's brought us peace, forgiveness, joy. He has given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What a joy to know Jesus, to have this good news in the midst of a world that is without God and without hope. We have come to know God in the face of Jesus Christ, and we have hope in Him, a living hope we've been born into. This morning I've been given the singular challenge of giving a short message. (laughs) And uh, because we have a very special day ahead of us, we have our our third ever church-wide ministry fair an event where we have set up just outside these doors in the Grace Hall booths that represent every major ministry of our church. And we always like to make a special day of this as a church family because this ministry fair reflects one of the central aims of our church, which is every member a minister. See, we, uh, we want every member of our church family here at Grace Chapel to find their unique place of belonging, connecting, and service to the cause of the gospel here alongside their brothers and sisters in Christ for the glory of God. Because it is here, preeminently on earth, that Christ has promised to be at work. Right? I will build my what? Church. And so if we want to be about what God's doing in this world, it will primarily be by, do, by being about what God's doing here in the local church for the glory of God. And, and we want this. We want every member to be a minister here at Grace Chapel. We want this to be our testimony as a church because this is the testimony of Scripture when you study it. A church is not merely a religious building where only pew warmers sit. And it's not merely a service organization where only professionals serve. The local church, Grace Chapel, is an organism. It's a family where every member has an important part to play as an important part of the greater body. As Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, just like a physical body is one and has many members, and just like all the members of the body, though many operate as one, so it is with the body of Christ. Each part is indispensable. See, a true church, when it's operating properly, is an organic community of believers who are clinging fast to Christ as their head, and are serving with and to one another. It's a family where every member is a minister. And one of the ways that we seek to cultivate that aim and that vision here at our local church, at Grace Chapel, is through our ministry fair. It's one of many tools that we use. We want to take this whole concept of service and make it as physically concrete as possible in a way that you can literally see, feel, talk, and touch through all the opportunities that God has created here uniquely at, our, at this place to serve one another and the greater community for the glory of God. Because when every member becomes a minister in the body of Christ, Scripture shows us that truly miraculous things begin to happen. And so even as we're getting ready to experience this ministry fair in a few moments, uh, I want all of you to, to start praying now, even in advance, of what, about what type of ministry the Lord might be calling you, either to serve in for this new year, or honestly, sometimes just learn more about as one of the ministries of our church. 
So this morning, I want to remind us all of one of the reasons why you and I ought to be thinking about engaging in service as believers, and that is because of the moment in which we live. Frankly, I was overwhelmed when I was thinking about how do I make a really short message on service this morning, because there's a lot of reasons why we as believers ought to be serving one another and alongside one another for the glory of Christ. There's a ton of reasons. One of the major ways is because of our mercy that we've received, right? Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 12. By the mercies of God, I call on you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. And you say, well, I don't want to do that. How do I do that? The very next verses, verses 4 and following, talk about, well, if you've got gifts, guess you ought to serve them. And he talks about loving one another in the context of a local church. So because of the mercy we've received from Jesus... We ought to pass these gifts on to others because of the mercy. We can also consider our maturity. Ephesians chapter 4 says that it's when the whole body is working together properly, we build each other up in love. And we finally grow into the stature of the fullness of Christ. So one of the reasons why we ought to be serving in a church is because, frankly, it grows us, and it's what God uses to grow other people. But what I want us to consider for our few brief moments this morning is another third reason why we ought to serve one another and serve alongside each other in the local church, and that is because of the moment in which we live. Galatians 5.13 tells us that we ought to, through love, serve one another. And brothers and sisters, we are living in a place and time that calls on us as followers of Christ to give ourselves increasingly to sacrificial service for the glory of God. I know this not only because of, not only because of the world in which we're living, but also because of the Word of God, which directly states this fact in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10-11, through 11, which is where we'll be looking this morning. This is a passage where Peter makes a connection between the moment in which we live and the manner in which we're to serve. Now, I know that we're already in the middle of a study of 1 Peter right now, so you're probably thinking, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, and we are going to be coming to this passage later. But as I've been studying this book and reading ahead, I realized, as, and I was thinking about this morning's service, I realized that there is an entirely unique angle and emphasis to service that's found in these two verses that I will not be able to bring out later, but I can this morning. And so I want to grab the opportunity because here in 1 Peter 4, verses 10 through 11, Peter makes a direct and unique connection between the moment in which we're living and the manner in which we are to serve. And those are actually the first two points of our outline Today, In the introductory verses, we're going to take note of our moment of service, the moment in which God has called us as believers to serve in verses 1 through 9, really just highlighting three phases from those, three phrases from those uh, verses. And then in verses 10 through 11a, we're going to consider the manner of our service, how ought we to serve one another. And then finally, at the end of verse 11, we're, uh, verse 11, we're going to remember our mission of service. Why are we serving each other? So our moment, our manner, and our mission of service. We're going to cover this as fast as possible this morning. But with that in mind, if you would please stand with me as I read 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. The Apostle Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes these words to us today. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep on loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Verse 10. 
as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of God who receives our pleas and delivers us according to his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the meal that's ahead of us. Father, I pray that your spirit would help us to understand the truths that are here so that we might be able to feast on them richly, receive them into our hearts. But most of all, Father, help us to do more than simply understand your word. Help us to believe it by faith and carry it out in an obedient fashion. Father, we thank you that you have counted us faithful to be alive at this time, in this place, for this purpose. Remind us of why we're here and help us to be committed to your mission by the means that you have laid out for us here in your word. May we truly live for your honor and glory in the time in which we live. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So first, when we consider this biblical call for us to through love serve one another, Peter takes the unique approach in chapter 4 to remind you and I of our moment of service. See, sometimes we not only need to know what to do as believers, sometimes we need to know the urgency in which we're to do it. I love history, and so one of the stories that immediately came to mind was at the Battle of Trenton, when George Washington famously crossed the Delaware River, if you've ever seen that painting, for a surprise attack in the middle of the night. The Hessian commander, Johann Rahl, was actually warned in advance to rally his troops in advance of Washington's advance. But he ignored the message and he had his troops continue in their drunkenness and their revelry and their womanizing. Historians look back at this moment and suspect that Rawl likely misunderstood the urgency and timing of the command given him. Surely it would not be in the middle of the night on Christmas. If Johann Rawl had known the timing that that command, had known the timing of that command that was given that Washington was literally at the town's edge. He would have acted differently, more responsibly, more urgently. Peter doesn't make the same mistake here. Before he ever tells us in verses 10 through 11 to serve one another, he lets us know why we ought to do so in verses 1 through 9. And I would summarize those reasons as being, again, for the sake of this morning, because of the days being sinful and the days being short. That is why we ought to serve one another. So first, we ought to serve one another for the glory of God because the days are sinful. The days are sinful. Peter says this back in verse 3 where he says, For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. And what do the Gentiles want to do? They want to live in sensuality, drunkenness, or excuse me, sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. I want you to notice from that list of vices, the world has not changed, ladies and gentlemen. 
Not changed at all. What the unsaved world was given over to in the first century is exactly what the unsaved world is given over to in the 21st century. They are given over religiously to anti-morality, to fleshly impulses, to mind-altering substances, to late-night revelries, to recreational drunkenness, and to worshiping the advancement of societal lawlessness. You can tell there's a whole sermon there I'm not giving right now. This is what the world lives in. This darkness. This selfishness. This hopelessness. This callousness and cruelness. Now, of course, not everyone is as unrestrained as they might be. The conscience, the government, and the church restrains this. But nevertheless, this is the lifestyle that every unsaved individual trends towards and in their heart actually desires. And Peter describes this in verse 4 not as a trickle, but like a flood, a flood of debauchery. In other words, the whole world is given over wholeheartedly to the pursuit of these types of things. Anti-morality, fleshly impulses, mind-altering substances, late-night revelries, recreational drunkenness, and the worship of the advancement of societal lawlessness. This is what the world is giving themselves to. And therefore, in the midst of a world that has given itself over to the pursuit of these sinful things, how do we as believers set ourselves apart? An entire world that is living by the maxim, if you want to do it, do it. Everybody does whatever was right in their own mind. If you want to call yourself a cat or a dog or a squirrel, then fine. In the midst of a world that's given over to an anti-morality and a selfishness, I don't care if it hurts you, I'm going to do what I want. In the midst of a world like that, how do we set ourselves apart as followers of Christ like lights in this world? Verses 11 through 10, or 10 and 11 is going to show us it's through sacrificial service. It's through sacrificial service. We ought to serve one another because the days are sinful. And we set ourselves apart from this world by what we give our time to. Okay? So I want you to think for a moment this morning. What are you giving your time to? Are you giving your time over to the dreams and the pursuits and the aspirations that are marked by this world? Or are you giving yourself over to the mission that God has laid out in His Word? We ought to serve one another because the days are sinful. Second, we ought to serve one another because the days are short. Peter reminds us of this on three separate occasions. In verse 3, he says the time has passed. Verse 5, he says God is ready to judge the living and the dead. And in verse 7, he says the end of all things is at hand. In other words, you're getting the picture, even before you come to verses 10 through 11, that there's no time to waste. The days are short. The end of all things are at hand, and the day is swiftly approaching when we will stand before the one who has caused us, as the rest of 1 Peter tells, who has caused us to be born again to a living hope. We're going to stand soon before the one who has called us and trusted us and empowered us to serve us as a kingdom of priests into his living house. We're going to stand before this God soon, and he won't care how many social media followers you had in that day. 
He won't care about all these other earthly pursuits. He will want to know, what did you give yourself to as a follower of Jesus? Because there's no time to waste. As Hebrews 10 verse 24 teaches, as we see this day approaching, we should stir one another up and we should encourage one another. In other words, we should, we should give ourselves not to the pursuits and the sins that the world's chasing after. We ought to give ourselves to something else, to service, to service as members of the body of Christ. Our moment of service is now. This is how we shine as lights to this world. In a selfish world, we show ourselves as followers of Christ who know His love through serving one another. As Jesus said in Luke 12, 35-36, stay dressed for service and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake and so doing when he comes so that when Jesus appears, you're not chasing after the things the world was chasing in and you're covered with shame. When Jesus appears, you rejoice because you've been about his service and you're awaiting his return. Our moment of service is now. Because the days are sinful and the days are short, Peter reminds us in chapter 4 that this is our moment of service. Having reminded us of this, we then come to verses 10 through 11, where we see outlined first our manner of service in verses 10 through the beginning of verse 11. How ought we to serve one another in the context of a local church for the glory of God? How ought we to do this? Verse 10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. As God's, of God's varied grace. Notice first, each believer has a spiritual gift, a spiritual ability given to them by God at the moment of salvation for the service of the saints. As 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7 says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. I want you to know you sit there and say, oh man, I'm just nobody. I'm just a believer, man, and maybe I'm a high schooler, and I don't know if there's any place for me. That is not true. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ, you have a unique gift given to you by God for the advancement of His glory in the context of a local church. He has a place for you to serve in a way that only you can. You're unique. If you're a believer, you've got one. You've got a supernatural ability that God desires for you to use to strengthen the local church for the glory of God. And so Peter says here, notice he says, use it. As each has received the gift, use it. Use it to serve one another. And by the way, that's how you find out what your spiritual gift is. It's not by sitting at home and taking a personality test. It's by getting into people's lives and serving them. God never tells you to know your spiritual gift, but he does command you to serve one another and experience his giftedness. And as you serve, God will make it evident both to you and to the church the area of unique giftedness and blessing that God has given you for that moment of service. So just serve one another. Use it. Use it. As we go into this ministry fair, I want you to not get hung up on, well, is this ministry a good fit for me? Or me for it? Is this my gifting? Is this my calling? Forget about that. Ask yourself this question. Do they need help? And am I able to help them? Use it. Do it. 
God will make it clear. Just volunteer. Use your services somewhere and God will do the rest. He'll make it clear through His people. So just serve one another. Serve one another, notice, as good stewards of God's varied grace. Now the definition of stewards is literally those who dispense. (laughs) So believers are pictured here as people who have been spiritually gifted by God to dispense His grace to others. And so that's why we serve one another, right? It's because we are stewards of God's varied grace. And we have the spiritual capacity by the Holy Spirit in us to strengthen each other and encourage each other and to, and to stir one another up and to pursue Jesus Christ most, most faithfully. So that's why we serve one another, because we are stewards of God's very grace. We are not to be merely deposits of grace and spiritual blessings. We are to be vessels of grace and vessels of blessing. God gives us grace so that we can give it to others. We are saved to serve. And we are to be spirited in our service. We're to be eager, zealous. Peter makes that point next in verse 11, where he says this, Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. So I want you to think about it. If you knew that you were about to speak the very oracles of God, if you knew that you were about to deliver a message from God himself, would that change the way that you gave your message? You better believe it. Acts chapter 7 verse 38 says that when that Moses received the living oracles of God. So maybe you could ask yourself if you're a teacher of the Bible here at Grace Chapel or you aspire to be, I have a question for you. Teachers, are you giving God's word the way that Moses would have? Think about that. He came down on the mountain with his face glowing, having seen the glory of the Lord and the word of God written in tablets of stone by the very finger of God. I don't think that Moses gave a dry, dispassionate, educational discourse. Why? Because he spoke the very oracles of God. We're to be spirited in our deliverance of God's word. As Numbers 24, verse 16 says, we're to speak the oracles of God as one who has heard the words of God, as one who has discovered the knowledge of the Most High, as one who has seen a vision of the Almighty and has fallen down with his eyes uncovered. That's how we are to deliver the word of God. That's why Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, 1, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Herald it. Do it with authority, with faithfulness, with spirit, with zeal. Preaching ought to be the least boring thing you come in contact with. Because it is the Word of God. And then he generalizes it. Peter generalizes it off of that first teaching. And he says this, whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. And that word supplies is in a present tense there, which means that God continually supplies strength for service. God strengthening will never wear out. And we ought to serve like this because, and we ought to serve as someone who knows that the strength that God supplies has no limits and will never wear out. Sometimes we can get pretty apathetic, can't we? We can get pretty complacent. And sometimes one of the things, at least maybe this is when you have kids, you just sit there and say, I don't have the energy, Right? How am I going to be able to do this? Well, guess what? You do it by stepping forth in faith, recognizing that God gives strength to serve. He gives you strength to serve. So knowing that God gives strength to those who serve, then again, the conclusion is serve with zeal. 
Serve with energy. Serve with faithfulness. Serve with spirit, recognizing it doesn't depend on you. It depends on God. For it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. In Zechariah 4.6. So when it comes to service, dive in wholeheartedly knowing that God will give you fervent strength for any challenge. So when we go to this ministry fair, I don't want you to look at a certain opportunity and be intimidated saying, you know what, I don't know if I could handle that. If you dependently turn to the Lord, He will give you strength to serve. That's His promise. You can do it. You can do it. Because our moments of service is now, our manner of service is spirited. And finally, Peter points out our mission of service at the end of verse 11. And that is to glorify God. Peter brings it all right back to the reason why we exist. Peter says that in this moment of service, we ought to serve one another with spirit and zeal. Why? In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belongs glory and dominion forever and ever. Don't miss the connection to this phrase to the previous verses we just looked at. Spirited service is what enables God to be glorified in everything through Jesus Christ. Though the days be short and though the world be sinful, we can continue to bring glory to God even in this moment in everything by committing ourselves to serving one another with the strength that God supplies. And that should be our aim as believers. To give God the glory due His name through Jesus Christ as those who are in Him by faith. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our mission, this is our aim, this is the trajectory of all history, both now and forever. As Revelation 5, 11 through 13 says, And then I looked, and I heard around the throne, and the living creatures, and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. To receive pew warmers. No. To receive self-centered individuals. No. To receive people who pursue the pursuits of the world. No. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And Peter says here, To Him belongs glory and dominion forever and ever. So serve one another with the strength that God supplies as a living stone of the living house of the Almighty God. This is what He's worthy of. And may it be so. To honor and magnify and glory Glorify God will be our aim and our mission for all of eternity. So, Peter's point is, it should be your mission now. It should be your mission now. We ought to strive to worship God like that now, and as much as we can, by God's grace as a church, bring the worship of heaven itself right down to earth. And one of the most central ways that we do that as God's people is by recognizing it's not all about us. It's about Jesus Christ, and it's about His people by serving one another. This is our moment of service. This is our moment. 
And so this ministry fair is a humble, it's just a humble tool to help encourage us all to remember these things and to put them to practice as worshipers of Jesus Christ. So let me tell you how this is going to work as I do every year. In a few moments, I'm going to say a closing prayer and you're all going to be dismissed for the rest of the service time through these side doors into Grace Hall. I kept this pretty short, didn't I? Yeah, good. There, inside, uh, we'll have some finger food and some snacks set up for you to enjoy. Grab yourself a plate and then explore the rest of the room. In the hall, as you enter, you're going to find first a table with a basket on it uh, on the left-hand side. Uh, with some forms next to it. That's the directory update form that I talked about in our announcements this morning. If there's something that needs to change in the directory, fill that out, drop it in the basket. Um, the second thing you'll find as you explore the room is various booths set up around the outside of Grace Hall. And they look pretty awesome, I have to say, this year. Each one of these booths represent one of the major ministry opportunities you can learn about and that believers involve themselves in regularly here at our church. These booths are going to be hosted by a few representatives from each major ministry who can tell you more about that ministry and answer any questions you might have about it at all. And though each booth is going to be slightly different than the other, uh, with different signage and decorations and resources, there's going to be a sign-up sheet that you can put your name down on for whatever ministries you might be interested in potentially serving in for the next year. And so if you're interested in exploring and getting to know more about and participating in a certain ministry, put your name down on the sheet so that we can know that you have an interest in serving them. So that's what's going to happen once I say a prayer and adjourn you. But I want to remind you, brothers and sisters, as Scripture reminds us, the night is far past and the day is at hand. We must make it our aim to please Him who is coming soon. And when He comes in that moment, will He find us encouraging one another and so much the more, despite the world in which we live, Will he find us dressed for service and with our lamps burning? I pray every week that by God's grace he will. And that's our commitment as a church, to make every member among us a minister of Jesus Christ and of his body for the glory of God. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of God from 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11 which I now commit to your further study and your faithful obedience and the fervent care of one another until he, to whom all dominion and service and glory belongs, returns. To that end, as the ministry booth volunteers move into Grace Hall, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for how it reminds us of the opportunities that we have in front of us. I think of Esther Perhaps we have been put here for such a time as this. Oh God, give us grace. The grace that is ours in Christ Jesus to rise to the moment. Help us to seek your glory. Help us to proclaim Christ's worth. And help us to do that alongside each other. Serving one another until Christ returns. Give us grace towards this end, Father, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.